How's it going, friends? Welcome to another episode of The Genius Life. I'm your host, Max Lugavere, a filmmaker, health and science journalist, and the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Genius Foods. In this episode of the show, I'm super excited to introduce you to my friend Scott Barry Kaufman, a psychologist at Columbia University. Dr. Kaufman writes a weekly column called Beautiful Minds for Scientific American Magazine and hosts the Psychology Podcast, which has received over 7 million downloads. Business Insider called him one of the 50 groundbreaking scientists who are changing the way we see the world. He focuses on personal growth and development, cognitive and humanistic psychology, creativity, and intelligence. So over the next hour, you're going to discover how to remove the blocks that impede your personal growth, why you should love the hater and embrace criticism, how to distinguish healthy versus unhealthy thought patterns, what improv comedy classes can teach you about living your best life, how Dr. Kaufman measures and believes we can nurture intelligence, and so much more. This is going to be an incredible journey for sure, but before we get into it, I want to talk to you guys about the value of medicinal mushrooms. Mushrooms are full of antioxidants, prebiotic fiber, and essential vitamins and minerals. And those are just the culinary mushrooms that we use in our salads and to throw on the barbecue every summer. But there's another category of mushrooms now being considered for their medicinal value. And among the most well-studied of them are reishi, chaga, lion's mane, and cordyceps. I try to integrate these mushrooms into my supplement regimen because preliminary evidence suggests that they can do many things, ranging from boosting cognitive function to boosting immune function and providing a chemoprotective effect, which can help prevent cancer. My favorite proprietor of these quote-unquote medicinal mushrooms is Four Sigmatic. They make a number of products that make integrating these uh, kinds of mushrooms into your diet really, really easy. I'm a big fan of their coffee mixes, and they make these really soothing and tasty mushroom elixirs that you can drink when you're winding down at night. Their reishi is particularly delicious, and it even claims to be yoga in a cup. I don't know if I'd go that far, but it definitely is soothing and something that I really like to uh, consume at the end of a long day. So if you go to foursigmatic.com slash max, you'll be able to save 15% off of everything on their website, or you can use code max and 15% is the, pretty much the widest discount that you're going to get on their products from anywhere around the web. So if you've been curious about trying medicinal mushrooms, go to foursigmatic.com slash max and use that discount. You'll be able to take the money that you save and buy a copy of my book, Genius Foods, with it, donate it to charity, or run to Vegas, if that's your thing. If you do decide to check them out, well, drop me a line on Instagram and let me know your thoughts. All right, guys. Well, I'm super excited to get into this episode of the show with Dr. Kaufman. He's a great guy, super smart, quite funny as well. So I I think you're gonna really enjoy it and if you do really enjoy it guys please help me out by spreading the word about this podcast on social media that would mean the world to me take a screen grab throw it up on your instagram stories copy the link from itunes and share it on facebook so that i can continue to bring you critically important interviews like the one that you're about to listen to every week all right guys without further ado here is dr scott barry kaufman do you feel like a fighter pilot right now yeah yeah, this is really an amazing setup you have here. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I lear I've learned from the best. I've um, been on a number of podcasts, and this seems to be a setup that uh, others use. Yeah. So it's been it's been field vetted. Well, I'm impressed. By others, I respect. Thanks, yeah. man. Yeah. So you've been uh, trying the keto diet. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, it's uh, it's it's interesting because I feel I do feel like my head's clearer, you know, like and but. I also feel 
like a little bit emotionless. <laughs> really, <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. Yeah, that is weird. Like I, I don't, I never didn't read that on the internet at all. Is one of the uh, side effects. That's super. Like I guess I'm calmer, which I guess is good. Yeah, but I'm also kind of more like meh, you know. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I know. How Not. I wouldn't even say tired, but just like. Um, I don't know. I feel more tranquil, which is, uh, I guess, a good thing. But like for someone who's been uh, chronically anxious his whole life, you know, like to be tranquil is like a weird feeling. Hmm. So anyway. I feel like few people are as qualified as you to comment on how the keto diet has affected your creativity and mm. and aspects of your executive function. Has there been any changes there? Yeah, it's a really cool linkage there because creativity is in stages and there's different phases of creativity. And I would say that my ability to concentrate has improved. Um, you know, I've always had this sort of like low-grade ADHD. You know, I wouldn't like put a label on it and say I'm ADHD, but I've always had that sort of like um, uh, not inability to concentrate, but like just not really enjoy it too much. <laughs> um, but I, I saw my ability to concentrate has, has improved. But I also, that sort of like, angst that that could be conducive to creativity is not so much there i mean there is like a certain like there is a driver of certain uh parts of the creative process that um uh is is important to not get rid of like you know like anxiety can be helpful you know like it can be a motivating force or not just anxiety but like even excitement like 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 manic like hypomania you know i think i've had hypomania my whole life which is not uh people confuse that with bipolar and and mania and it's not it's 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 just a personality hmm. uh trait that all of us are somewhere on and i don't get the depressive aspect of things but i think i get um this hypomania where i like i'm constantly excited by possibility and um, you know, so there's, it, it's, it's fueled by the dopamine system, you know, which I probably have an extra, or at least I did before the keto. Yeah. I don't know what it's done to my dopamine now. Have you looked at your, um, COMT gene yeah, to discover whether or not you are a yeah. warrior or a warrior? Um, yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember what the finding was. I feel like it, the finding wasn't exactly what I expected, which, oh. so I don't trust the, I don't believe, I don't believe the genes. Yeah, now, yeah. <laughs> obviously the genes are, <laughs> but it's, it's interesting when like your genes don't match up to what you know you are or like what your personality is. Cause yeah. then it's like confusing. Cause it's like, because those genes are, we're only talking about, um, uh, there's, it's not foolproof science. It's only explaining like, like one gene, like one, like a DRD four is a big one. That's, uh, you know, associated with, uh, ADHD and like, um, but we're talking about like it's only explains very like one gene only only explains a fraction of uh, prediction in the in the population. So when I get that kind of test or that readout, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's not what I expected. Well, it's like you know, like this stuff isn't foolproof. You know, even I have to remind myself that just how small the prediction is anyway. Yeah. In the general population. And there's probably a myriad of genes that have yet to be yeah. even discovered that are you know influencing your per, you know aspects of your personality and, and things like that oh definitely if we talk about personality it's a whole different story i mean it's like we're talking about you know thousands of interacting genes and then you want to talk about intelligence i do want to talk about intelligence Whew. with you for sure and then creativity yeah <laughs> creativity okay. is even more so yeah the more i learn the less i feel like i know yeah. you know like i feel like at the end of the day we know enough to be able to write books and to be able to like give you know sort of general guidelines for people but at the end of the day we're talking in terms of probabilities That's right. and you can totally defy any of these probabilities that we're talking about yeah you know, as an indiv individual 
Yeah, some people do start out the gate with the, the odds stacked against them, and we don't want to, like, ignore that fact. Like, um, there are some people, you know, very prone to alcoholism, for instance, and that's a very heritable uh, thing. And it, it, it might be harder for that person to control themselves when they um, drink, when they're exposed to lots of alcohol than, than others. But I agree with what you said, absolutely. And I think that um, a key is to is to maybe know where your um uh your 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 naughty cravings are and then rest- and then tie yourself to the mass like like make sure that like it, you're not exposed to the stimuli because if you're not exposed like if an alcoholic's on an island is never exposed to alcohol it won't become he won't he or she won't become an alcoholic you know right. so that's it's truly important to um really know yourself well and to and to minimize that self control is like 70% of life you know, it's like, this is what I found, you know, it's like, re- you know, for reaching your goals, like, like, you know, like just self-regulation, actually, I don't, self-regulation, because you don't want to always have self-control, but you want to be able to at least be in con- in control of whether or not you want self-control. That's, that's what is optimal. Sometimes you don't want that, right? Right. Yeah. So Scott Barry Kaufman, thank you for being here, man. This is uh thank you for being here in my apartment. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh thank you for being here in the eternal ethereal realm of my podcast existential? and for having me that in your apartment. That was existential yes, level. Okay. It was. Um okay, so for listeners that uh that are just being introduced to you, why don't you tell us a little bit about the kinds of things that you study and write about? Okay. So I'm a um I actually like to refer myself now as a humanistic psychologist. I was trained in cognitive psychology, uh, the brain, the mind, uh, intelligence, cognition, like working memory, executive functioning. That was my training. But uh, I felt like it really lacked um, a human approach, a humanistic approach. A humanistic approach is an approach that takes into consideration the whole person, that takes into account... um, uh, the integration of all the various systems that we have. And so that's why I like to refer to myself as such these days. And I'm te- I teach a course, uh, I'll be starting next semester, teaching a course at Columbia called The Science of Living Well. So I'm really, by the way, you should come give a guest lecture sometime. That would be, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah that would be really great. Um, yeah, and the point of that course is to teach students uh, what you know their basic needs, um, and then realize what their higher potentials are. You know what are the higher needs, you know, and uh, and what are the things that are blocking us from reaching self-actualization, and then uh, and then ultimately self-transcendence. So those are the things that really interest me. Hmm. What would you say are some of the blocks that that are most commonly exhibited in people? Oh well, we, you know, we evolved all these sort of defenses and biases for us not to see ourselves accurately or to see the world accurately. Um, and also to, we have a lot of soothing illusions, you know, like we, we may immediately be defensive if someone criticizes us and, you know, you'll see a lot of people say like, Oh, haters, you know, haters going to hate that expression always, um, never really rang true to me because it seems like, a it, it, it just, it just screamed to me of like a defense mechanism, hmm. like a soothing illusion, like, Oh, haters are going to hate, you know, but like, what about you? if you think like, maybe there's some truth to what they just said, you know, hmm. like, what is the truth there? And really just think about it, you know, and, um, and see how you can constantly improve yourself and grow this kind of, um, growth motivation is, is blocked when you have, when you're motivated by defense and motivated by, um, uh, uh, 
I think defense would be the best word for it, but safety might be another good word for it. Hmm. Yeah. You know, we we all want to feel safe. It's a basic need. Um, but we can't ex- experience too much safety uh, or else we're, we'll become stagnant and we'll stop growing and we, our creative self-actualization won't, uh, won't at all be possible. Hmm. So how do we respond then to haters? I mean, what would be like the most ideal way? Yeah, well, you have to like distinguish between like bullies and just people that are criticizing you. Like if you put everyone in the same hater camp, that's not helpful. So it it is important. Like I can, I become really good at now at, at seeing whether or not someone's, uh, you know, like getting a I get a feel for like the tone and like the content. And, and if they're a bully, then like, yeah, you're haters are going to hate <laughs> you know like that's what i'd say to that but um if you um if, if if someone seems to be coming from a good place or even like a truthful place truthful place like 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 we don't you know we have a lot of uh things that we can't see about ourselves as clearly as others can see about us and what a great opportunity to outsource ourselves to the world you know like we don't think of it that way because we're so stuck in our own little defensive mechanisms but you know like if i'm trying to improve something if i'm trying to lose weight if i'm trying to um well these are all things i'm trying to do right now in my life <laughs> lose weight uh, lower my cholesterol um get a girlfriend <laughs> look all these things that are important to me in my life right now um you know uh become a better writer okay um you know uh, in, uh increase the listenership of my podcast I need to really be like honest with myself about, you know, what, why hasn't it grown so much so far, you know, like, like self-acceptance is the essential starting point for growth. And I mean, I am certainly not the first person in the history of humanity to say that, um, as a lot of the great humanistic thinkers, uh, who are my idols, um, that was the core of their approach, like Carl Rogers, the humanistic psychotherapist. Um, but it's, it's just absolutely essential. You have to be like, okay, where am I at right now? Okay. Th- stand on the scale and look at that scale with blunt honesty, Yeah, you know, but there's like this. So what do you think of the trend that we're seeing right now? You know, definitely on social media, but I think at, in the culture at large as well, where it's like radical self acceptance to the point where we can't paint things in you know, moral judgment because everything has to be viewed on its own terms, you know, moral relativism. I get this just in my little microcosm on, on social media with food. Like, you know, we can't say that certain foods are good or bad at this point because everything is okay in moderation. And that's, a, that's I actually hate that, that notion because I actually think that we can judge foods as being good or bad. The same way that I can say that, you know, there are good and bad oils to consume. Foods made with those oils are inherently going to be good versus bad. But if, but, you know, people are like, don't shame, you're shaming foods as if foods have feelings. I'm like, no, I'm just like a health educator. I'm trying to like light a candle for people. Yeah. I experienced that very analogously um, within my own field of uh, there's various camps. Like I want to say that just like you're saying some foods are healthier than others, I want to, I make the case that some uh, psychological uh, ways of living are healthier than others. So then, well, someone could have come to me and say, well, you know, if, if someone's like, I, 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 who happens to be in the camp of the unhealthy, what I've deemed as an unhealthy way of living, they could certainly come up to me and say, well, how dare you, you know, like, how dare you say that the way I'm living my life is unhealthy? Um, who are you to judge? 
Um, and then I'd say, well, there's something called truth. <laughs> there's something called, you know, generalizable, um, uh, objective facts that um, generalize beyond you as a human being, you know. And when we look at hundreds, thousands, thousands of people, and we look at um, to see, well, what, um, in your case, foods, but in my case, what uh, way, ways of being, I like to think of it, ways of being in the world, um, are most strongly correlated with life satisfaction and uh, with meaning and purpose. Those are the things, two things, those are the things I care about the most, life satisfaction and, and purpose. Um, you find, you know, well then, then we can start to scientifically come up with the ways of being in the world that are most likely, you said probabilities, most likely to lead to this. Now, yes, we are just talking probabilities. So I could say to that person, you know, okay, well, like, fine, you know, you keep going that path and see how that goes, you know, <laughs> like, you know, like you're, everyone is free to find the, the, the path that suits them the best. I'm a big believer in that. I, I, I don't actually don't like, um, I'm not a big fan of like saying like, you know, these are the 10 rules, you know, um, uh, or the laws, you know, of something, um, uh, because I, 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 everyone has to find their own good, good life, but why not be informed by, uh, by, by, by generalizable principles, by things that seem to work uh, and lead to the greatest chances of success. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you want to live your life that way? Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. I normally, when I have podcast guests on, the last question that I ask in the interview is, what does it mean to you to live a genius life? But I feel like living a genius life is exactly what you study. So I'm going to ask you the question now. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, because that's a really good point because I study um, yeah, like greatness and the, the determinants of greatness um, and self-actualization. Uh, but what was actually the question you asked me? What does it mean what to you? What does it mean to me yeah. to, to live a genius life? Um, well, to me, it's health and growth are the, are, the, are the core aspects of it for me. For me, it's not achievement. It's not even happiness. Notice I didn't say happiness or achievement in that. It's actually health and growth. So um, health involves our physical system, uh, you know, like uh, like following the kind of diet that you put forward in your awesome book, Genius Foods, you know, mm -hmm. and you didn't pay me to <laughs> plug it at all. Uh, <laughs> Thanks it really, for saying that. It really is a good book. Um, you know, really following that diet um, uh and, 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 and treating your body well, but also we can treat our mind well. You know, we can, there are ways of being, ways of thinking that are unhealthy, just like putting uh, lots of uh, trans fats in your system mm -hmm. are unhealthy. You mm -hmm. know, there's an analog to putting these kinds of thoughts into your head. And, and I'm not saying um, it's always negative. It's a, they should always be positive. You know, you should always, like there's some people who might listen to what I said and, and think that what I just said was like, oh, that's what I've been telling everyone. You have to think positive all the time or like the secret, you know, like just like will everything into, you know, in your mind say everything into existence will immediately pop in ears. Well, that's not what I'm saying because sometimes there are like being critical is healthy. Right, like being like, like self-accepting of your dark side is healthy. So, to me, it's not just a positive-negative thoughts, but but there are some things that are unhealthy, like you know some of these defenses we've erected ar ar around ourselves, some of a uh, um, uh, kind of fatalistic thinking, that's unhealthy. You know, like um, there's a whole list of things um, that are unhealthy. Uh, so that's the health part, and then then there's the growth part of living a genius life, in my, in my view, um, and the growth part involves constantly admitting that that you could be better um, so there is a humility there but 
But humility, you know, some people think of the word humility and they think of submission. You know, like, oh, you know, I'm nothing. And the, no, that's not humility. Okay, that's um, I don't know what that is. That's <laughs> submission. <Yeah. laughs> I don't know, something else. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's self deflation. You know, but that's not what I'm talking about. Humility is having at all times as accurate an understanding of where you currently are as possible. Um, so that you can assess what it would take to be a better person. Yeah. How can we deter- determine whether or not our thinking is healthy or unhealthy? Um, I wish there were a uh, ketone strip for the mind. <laughs> <laughs> that would be very nice. <laughs> yes. You prick your finger and says, oh, that thought was not. Or you prick your head and, okay. Hilarious. Uh, yes. Um, but, we have to rely on ancient truths, on um, on on the research, um, and on what the direction we seem to be moving in. What direction do our thoughts seem to lead us to? Um, if our thoughts are constantly uh, leading us to um, uh, to defenses and um, moments of like safety, so for instance, like you know, I can give you a concrete example, like. Let's say that um, I really want to uh, change. I want to become more extroverted. Uh, I want to uh, be more social, gregarious. Um, well, in, in order to do that, you need to leave your apartment. Okay, you need to actually go outside and and talk to a human being, right? So you could start to let's say it's Friday night. It's like 10 p.m. and you're like, that's your goal it's for growth. But you're like, oh yeah, but it's like so much easier to just like watch Netflix and chill by myself, <laughs> uh, you know, it's so much easier to like, if I am tired, you know, maybe I'll do it next week. All right. Like the consequence of those thoughts is that if it constantly consistently leads you to not actually leaving your apartment, I would say that's a pretty good idea. That's an unhealthy thought. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I think that's, you know, saying yes to things. It's super important. It's a Something I actually learned in improv class, which I took once. I think it was in New York City. Yeah, Yeah, yes and. It's like... I took improv in New York as well. The best uh, outcome for a scene, you know, is going to be when you remain open to the possibility of following a, you know, storyline down its rabbit hole, wherever that is. And I feel like that could be... The same thing could be said for your life as well. Yeah. That was beautifully said. (laughs) Sorry about this. uh... What's that knocking? Is that just like New York? Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, it's like, it's New York, right? It's so, New York, yeah. I and mean, there's always something going on in one of these four walls here. Yeah. You know, um, Do you think that'll be problematic for our listeners? No, I think as long as we acknowledge it, okay. I, think it'll, I think it'll be fine. Okay, call the elephant in the room. Yeah. If you guys uh, hear sirens, if you guys hear random noises, because we're recording this in New York yeah. City. Yeah. Okay, good. Stop. <laughs> uh, that's actually a good lesson for life. Um, if you like, I find with meditation and stuff, if you have like a headache or you like have a feeling that you're not healthy, comfortable with if you say okay i'm going to now meditate as deeply as possible um on that feeling and i'm going to like not you know i'm going to like totally like like call it out <laughs> it usually goes away after the 10 minutes yeah so it's like that sound that do was a good a, metaphor do you have a meditation practice yes 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 mm. um but but i um I, particularly when i on an as needed basis you know, like uh, sometimes, I mean, that was like sacrilege for some, you know, expert uh, people for that to be the case. But um, uh, but I find it extraordinarily helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I dose myself with it as needed. 
is how yeah. I how I say that. that, I, that I, don't, is I don't have a regular. I'm not disciplined enough. It is controversial. Yeah. Uh, you know, meditation teachers would tell you, you got to do it every day for exercise that muscle. So that when you do need it. Yeah. Yeah. They're probably right, but I'm, you know, yeah. Well, like I said, I'm the same way (laughs) as need basis, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about intelligence. Is intelligence fixed? Intelligence, um, is such an interesting topic. Uh, you know, to hit out, to start out the gate with that question, is intelligence fixed? You know, I feel like it's tricky because like I've studied this topic for like 17 years of my life and like all this nuance and everything. It's like, how in the world do I answer that question in like a second? You know, it's like in the last 17 years of my life in like one sentence um, is intelligence fixed. So the question is, um, the, the the nuanced answer is that there's two different levels of analysis there's a relative level of analysis where we compare people to each other and like, like my IQ score only has meaning compared to you. Um, you know, if you're in a desert Island, um, and you're the only one on there and you take an IQ test, we actually don't know what you're right. We, we couldn't come up with an IQ score, hmm. you know, like IQ is only relative to other people. So IQ as compared to others throughout the lifespan does tend to be relatively fixed, hmm. relatively fixed. So what that means is, um, you know, as you know, like if you score higher than me on an IQ test age 12, you will very, very likely score higher than me on an IQ test at age 80. Hmm. Okay. Um, but within your own lifespan, it'd be ridiculous to say IQ is fixed. Of course, our intelligence improves throughout our life. We are constantly learning new things. We are constantly, um, uh, uh, being able to reason better or think more logically or critically. Um, uh, so, you know, if we're not talking relatively speaking, um, yes, uh, no, it's not fixed. But um, relatively, it's interesting how stable, you know, intelligence does seem to be pretty stable if you, um, uh, in terms of the relative differences, remain stable, the rank orderings. Um, but that's, you know, there's different, there's different ways of viewing the situation, you know, I'm very interested in individual development. To me, that's just as important as, um, if not more important than competition and comparisons with others. Yeah. yeah. I have not looked into this research in many, many years, but is, is IQ still being used or has it shifted more to like the theory of multiple intelligences? Like, Oh, okay. So there are, um, m- multiple theories of what is intelligence, um, by being used, IQ scores are still the most predominant measure of intelligence, even in schools and like educational psychology. Um, you know, but there are like big IQ test batteries that include lots of different subscales with lots of different kinds of items. Um, multiple intelligence theory has never been really well tested, has never been really well measured. So there's not like really great measures of each of Howard Gardner's intelligences. Um, if you ask me, you know, what is my definition of intelligence? I have a definition definition of intelligence called the theory of personal intelligence hmm. that is different than uh, than the IQ, just relying on an IQ score. So I define intelligence as uh, the dynamic interplay of ability and engagement in the pursuit of personal goals. So for me, intelligence, the most important source of form of intelligence that we should care that we individuals care about is not our IQ. But until we're like very old, and then we do very much care about the fact that we no longer have those cognitive functions. But in most, for most of our lifespan, what we care most about is our personal intelligence. We care about our ability to reach the goals 
that we have set for ourselves. And to me, that is a form of intelligence to have the characters, traits, and um, have the uh, engagement uh, and interest in in pursuing those goals. How do we nurture the those uh, traits? Um, well... We already kind of touched on saying yes to things, getting out of your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an interesting question because we know there are there are character strengths that we we all have, and we have more so than others. You know, you can go onto the Via Character Strengths uh, site and take your tip for free. You can take the Character Strengths survey and find out what your top three are, top four, and and that is largely determined by genetics. Um, so then the question is like, you know, it's it's funny because the question you asked me is like. Um, how can you cultivate it as opposed to how can you find it? Mm -hmm. You know, like how do you, like, I think knowing yourself really well is the most important thing, you know, and, um, and, and you can, you can exercise your, your grit, your, you can exercise your, um, you know, the, the, the engagement one is interesting because engagement seems to come very naturally as opposed to uh, 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 if something really interests you, something really lights you up, um, it tends to do so organically or naturally. It's kind of like hard to be like, well, I'm going to force you to um, to be really engaged. But a good teacher can do it. Like a really good teacher, even in the most boring, um, I don't know, math equation or whatever, a really good teacher can get the children engaged even though it's not sort of in their genetic code to really be particularly interested in that mm -hmm. so it is possible uh, but i think so much of it is really like really discovering what what, light, what lights you up the most and um and and exercising your grit in the service of that yeah how did you become so accomplished i mean you've got all these books that you've written you are you know one of the leaders in this field but you also mentioned that you had sort of low-grade add which i can totally relate to yeah um so I mean, did I say that on the record? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I've admitted a lot of things in this record uh, on this uh, already, didn't I? <laughs> it's good. Yeah. I like it's yeah. exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. Go take it to TMZ. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking news: <laughs> Scott is single, <laughs> looking for a girlfriend. <laughs> Breaking news. I think yeah. I think we'll yeah. be able to help. I got, I this podcast will. Be yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So, would you actually just ask me? <laughs> Well, like the, the, the tools, tactics, tricks that perhaps you've used to overcome your low-grade learning difficulties. Okay, so what I had, I had that. I had, when I was younger, I had a whole bunch of cocktail of things. I had um, a generalized anxiety disorder. Um, so on all my tests and everything, I was like panicking, freaking out, you know, like um, especially if it was timed. Um, so I didn't like the juries very much or the SATs. I overcame that by over preparing. So I overcame that by like, by like what it, like, knowing the material so well that it was just ah no big deal when I got there to the day of the test even if it was timed. Like I would just over 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 you know like there's such things over training you know I would over over prepare. Um, I feel like I want to take each of my disabilities one by one and then talk about them. The focusing thing, meditation, has actually helped me a lot, as well as anxiety. It's helped me um, with my uh, the mindfulness stress-based reduction course, you know, was really helpful um, in, in that. Uh, there are other things I, I had, like... Um, uh, like, the whole motivation I had before... I got out of, I was in special ed actually as a kid, 
um, the motivation, I very like a, like had very low motivation before ninth grade. There was this teacher who inspired me, who asked me, you know, like why I was still there. And I, it inspired me to take myself out of special ed and sort of see what I was capable of achieving. And I think like something that really increased my motivation was, 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 was getting out of my comfort zone and intentionally going, uh, and trying something like like seeing like oh like am i capable of this like taking a very curious approach to it and i found out that you know i wasn't good at everything (laughs) shocker you know (laughs) like you know i wasn't very good at like um you know um dancing in west side story (laughs) wasn't really my thing and uh but i joined the orchestra and that was good for me and um so so i overcame that by by just um being really gritty about it and um uh, and and trying to be like, okay, well, you know, what it what 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 is possible, you know, like I don't don't think we often really take the time to really ask ourselves that question, um, and and try a hundred things knowing that we may fail in like ninety percent of them. Yeah. yeah, what are your thoughts on that? The like the strengths finder mentality of things. Are you familiar with that? Where it's basically like yeah. so many of us fail in life because we're actually told falsely that we should focus that we can do anything that we want you know and that leads to a lot of us focusing on our weaknesses whereas if we just kind of look at ourselves honestly and see what it is that we're actually good at and focus on those things you know i like why well, i like that idea yeah is that well, called strengths finder though that's a that's a program that yeah i don't know i mean that's uh, that's where i first read okay. it but i but it actually oh, okay. didn't rub me the right way because i actually love working at the things that i'm not good at it's like something that i really i well, love that sort of intrinsic well, you can work at the things that, yes, I, I hear you. And I mean, I'm like, obviously Michael Jordan, like worked on his, like whatever area of his game wasn't, but that's, that seems different than what we're, than what we're talking about. So like you can work with it within the, like the overall sphere of what you feel like you can really run quickly in that lane, whatever lane you pick that you think you can start running quickly in. Um, of course, it's you know you're not going to be perfect in area. Of course, there's going to be things that the areas of weakness that you could work on that'll help you run faster. But I think that when people say you know don't focus on you were talking about more broader goals. You, you can think of a whole goal hierarchy, right? There's there's at a goal hierarchy, um, at, there's different levels of abstraction. At the various highest level of the hierarchy, you have your purpose. So you have your overarching goal. It might be like um, be healthy, you know, like just like, and then underneath that, you have a lower level of abstraction of like, what are the things that are going to help you be healthy? Um, eat right, uh, dot exercise, um, think right, you know, and then under each one of those, you have more specific things that, um, will help get you to that goal and things you all should avoid mm-hmm. in that goal, things you're maybe you're weak at. So that's my nuanced answer to that question. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Creativity. You wrote this book, Wired to Create. It's a great book. Was this your last book? Thanks. It's my yeah. It's my most recent one. Your most recent book. Yeah. Unraveling the mysteries of the creative mind. And it's co-authored with Carolyn Gregoire. Gregoire. Yeah. I had no idea that that's how you pronounced her last name. It, and if it's not how you pronounce her last name, <laughs> then I'll be very embarrassed because <laughs> that's how I've been calling her. So, as a creative person, I'm very interested in this in this topic of how to how to nurture creativity, and how to be more creative. And to output more. So you're interested in creativity. I'm super interested. Yeah. Cool. Uh, more so than performance, high performance. I'm interested in both. Are they at odds with one another? 
No, no. Uh, sometimes they can be. Well, the, that, that question surprised me. I know. I could see it on your face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested in both. I'm, a, I'm an artist. I'm a creative person. But I'm also, what I, you know, I hope to be considered a, a high performer. Cool. Um, I mean, sometimes creativity is not, uh, is not high performing. Hmm. That that's a point I would make is hmm. that like you know you can there's a creative way of being in the world you know like like just asking creative questions um, or thinking or being open to new experiences um, would one say that when you're doing that stuff you're being you're performing at a high level no I mean well what would you say about like flow you know flow the flow psychology. tends to get you yeah that tends to get you to a high uh, a high performance state for sure but but flow is not all there is to is not equivalent to creativity right you know like any sort of uh i may, perhaps i should say how i def how i think of creativity you know it's something that's novel and meaningful in your daily life it's um it, it's a whole series of habits mm -hmm. sometimes i people people say that they're they're not creative because they're not artists necessarily mm. do you think everybody's Everybody has a little bit of creativity in well, them. Well, I okay. There's you just asked me two different questions. Did I? <laughs> yes, you did. Um, what are they? What, what did I just ask you? <laughs> <laughs> not not everyone is. Uh, so you can be creative and not be an artist. Okay. That answers the first question. Right. The set to the second question. No, not everyone's creative. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So like, I mean, I get this question all the time. Like, mm. you know, is it a myth that uh, that like you know that that uh, only certain people are more creative than others. It's like, no, that's not a myth. <laughs> like, yeah, just like there are some people who are faster runner than others. There are some people who are um, uh, going to lose weight faster than others. Come on. Like, you know, yes, there are certain people who have um, uh, an inclination towards um, that kind of thinking. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, d d but you can be creative in, in almost any field that you're in for sure. Um, and I think that if you want to be more creative, you can be more creative. See, there's some people that it's okay. Like, by the way, creativity is not for everyone, right? Like if there's some people who, um, you know, if you're, I don't know if you're flying an airplane, you know, you don't want to like try creative new methods, you know, like, you know, or if you're an air, air traffic controller, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, if you're a surgeon, I don't know. We kind of want our experts, you know, who like don't don't try to do everything original and meaningful every single time they do their job. Hmm. But you know, that's why we think of artists as creative because you know every single time they sit down, they try to do something original, meaningful, pretty hmm. much. So they are very creative. But um, but but I do think that like you know you can exercise these habits, like I talk about in the book, no matter who you are, and start seeing the world more creatively. Start to just be in the world more creatively. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What are you, what's next for you? I mean, what, what projects are you working on now? Well, I am working on a new book that has now, uh, I think been pushed back till 2020, which seems so far away, <laughs> but, um, what stage are you in? I just finished first draft. Nice. So I'm not working on a second draft. Can you share um, anything about it? Um, no, <laughs> so I probably should not even have brought it up, <laughs> but just put it out there. That's happening. All right. Okay, like that's cool. what I'm working so on. We'll I'm, I'm that. trying to, uh, really work hard on, on this course 
most immediately this course at Columbia uh, that I'm teaching on the science of living well. I'm really uh, I'm interviewing 20 potential TAs for it next week. Um, we're going to have recitation sections. really want to build that up. And then I'm also going to be, for people who are listening to this who live in New York, I am going to start teaching a course in the 92Y in April on uh on on the science of living well and uh yeah i'm adapting it for the general public so i'm really excited to kind of teach new yorkers yeah these skills can we get a taste of what uh people can expect from the course like give us like your top five juiciest tips for living well oh boy no <laughs> i can't i don't know if i i can do that right off off the cuff but um you know the, the big the big thing about that course is that we, I want to help people realize where are their basic needs that aren't being met hmm. and custom tailor it to each individual. Yeah. So again, like I said, I'm not big into like big rules, you know, or things like that. Yeah. Uh, top, you did say that. Top five ways, you yeah. know. Yeah. So I want, I, I'm going to have people, I'm going to give them exercises for self-insight to understand themselves better. Um, exercises to um, uh, rank order which of these list of needs are not being met the most in their life and how can we help work on them to get it like maybe it's connection maybe they feel like they're not getting a lot of connection in their life these days well then um i want to you know figure out ways to help them increase their uh, their ability and um and and yeah to, to be connected and to feel deep and not, not not just belonging a lot of people feel belonging that's different than connection a lot of people feel like yeah i belong to this group or that group but, they, but do you actually feel like that group cares about you you know um, do you feel like you really care about them? So, yeah. Is the modern world making it, or is it, I feel like there's this sense that the modern world is making it increasingly more difficult to have a sense that we're all living well. It's just people are prone to, at least it seems, more anxiety these days, more depression. Um, I mean, how do we counter that? Do, do you go into that in the course at all? Yeah, it does. It does seem like the rates of of anxiety and depression are are increasing. Why? Why do you think that is? Well, college students in particular. I I I I don't know the precise factors, but I think that a big culprit is precisely what I was just saying, and that's that we are sacrificing some of our basic needs in um, because we feel pressure for other of the needs to take prominence in our life. So we don't become a whole person. We don't become, um, you know, a well harmoniously integrated human mm -hmm. or we don't become fully human mm -hmm. is another way of putting it. So I really do link a lot of that to depression because it's, it, it's fascinating. You, you can, and anxiety because you can, um, like, let's say you're, you're, you're feeling lack of meaning in your life. Well, if you get in a real big program to get more meaning in your life, you find a lot of those symptoms disappear. Hmm. So what is that saying? You know, like that's saying that like, you know, this stuff was an artifact of that we live in a in a culture that um, is so full of um, constant stream of information, but it's lacking in our basic needs. It's lacking in 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 great uh, meaning. Like what 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 material is more important than others? You know, it's lacking connection. You know, like um, to how often do you actually feel connected to those people who liked you on Facebook? You know, like it boosts your ego for a day, mm -hmm. but how much do you feel like a, a deep connection connection to those people or feel like they really care about you in times of need? So, you know, really kind of returning to these basic needs that, in my perspective is very important. Do you think that the net impact of social media is that it's helping or hurting? Mm, probably, probably helping and hurting. <laughs> 
it's it, I think probably both are independently increasing right in different directions mm. so it's helping do you like how all my answers are, are I like it nuanced? you could have been a politician Ooh, well it's not too late <laughs> but I, I don't and it's a whole different topic um, but yeah I think it's it, it helps in, in you know those who might have difficulty forming connections in real life and they can uh, make friends and connections with people especially on Facebook but also it, I see a lot of vitriol lately like especially on Twitter I just see a lot of like like a lack of respect for the humanity of each other and that if that if we carry on in that trajectory I think that social media will maybe the net effect will be negative well this is awesome thank you for uh for taking the time yeah thank you yeah of course so how can I've known listeners... you for quite some time. I know this is cool. By the way, funny story. You probably are. You're definitely at least a little bit responsible for my career journey because you hooked up that Psychology Today blog for me. And that was helpful for you. It was helpful, yeah. So if you're listening to this, um, I have uh, had a blog. I haven't used it in a while, but I have a blog on Psychology Today that um, I began using as a platform to interview doctors and people that, that, you know, um, were able to provide insight at a time when I didn't have my, my former TV platform. So it was a, it was a great platform for me to be able to interview people in science. And that really began my journey of investigation into diet, lifestyle, brain health, and things like that. And that was something that you hooked up because I, I was, uh, we met, when, yeah. when when was it that we met? Yeah, 2011 maybe in California. Yeah, and in you Los uh, Angeles. and I was a fan of yours actually. I remember where we had lunch that day. That was yeah. uh, Lemonade in yeah. in LA, which I used to love because the food is really good and they have a lot of seemingly healthy options. But all of their foods are made in canola oil, oh. like drenched in canola oil. That ruined it, didn't it? Ruined it. I've yeah. yeah. Since I discovered that, I hadn't gone back. I haven't gone back. Oh bummer. Um, um one topic we didn't talk about was dementia and how to stave off. Uh, brain uh, deterioration. I mean, I, I talk about that all the time, but if you have any thoughts... It's, I know, it's your thing. <laughs> it's your thing. Um, I suppose that, uh, you know, you often talk about um, well, the importance of, of constantly throughout your whole lifespan doing things that are novel and challenging, right? Like, like don't get... To me, to me, like, the same kind of... It's living the creative life is the best way of staving off dementia. So I just wanted to make that point. And on what ba- on what grounds? I mean, is it because you're building the cognitive reserve or? Yeah, I mean, our, our brain tends to get very stagnant and um, stop building new connections, new neurons, if we just stay in one mode of thought or we stay in, you know, like really challenging ourselves and um, and, and really trying to master multiple things in our lives. I think that some people think they only, you know, should master one thing and stay focused on one thing their whole life. And um, I think that we can have multiple passion projects going on simultaneously. And the longer we can do that, I think the better it will be for our brain. I agree. Uh, one of the things that I write about in Genius Foods is that, um, you know, we live in a world that favors specialization, whereas I don't think that the human brain... Um, evolved to be a specialist. I think that we were generalists for the vast majority of our evolution. And now we live in this sort of cookie cutter world and it's a problem, especially if you have a, you know, a brain that's prone to quote unquote ADHD, which is a, you know, maybe a modern problem. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, modern problem. Well, it wasn't. We, we Christopher Columbus probably had ADHD, although he's probably not the best example because he's a bit controversial these days. But <laughs> but the earliest explorers, Magellan. Yes, Magellan probably yeah. had ADHD. I mean, it, it wasn't a problem though because they weren't forced to sit in their butt in a seat right. in in a school system. Right. It's only a problem because we've said it's a problem. Yeah. yeah. I mean, totally. I think you know if you're if you feel like you don't fit into the modern job nine to five construct, I think you should consider the fact that you might actually be an explorer and whether or not that means exploring distant lands or, you know, new imagination. Yeah. Areas of your imagination, creativity, science, entrepreneurship. Um, I think that you should definitely uh, consider that. Oh, that's a good, that's a good place to end. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Scott, how can our listeners get in touch with you? Um, pick up your books. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I'm trying to improve my self promotion capacities. (laughs) We were just talking about that. Um, I'd really like people, uh, check out, I think my podcast is a nice compliment to your podcast. You know, like you got to get your body and then you get, you got to get your mind. Mm -hmm. So go to the psychology podcast. You can find me on the iTunes at the psychology podcast. I'm also just my website, scottbarrykaufman.com has everything, all my books, everything you'd want, free resources, tests you can take online, find out if you're self-actualized or not, things like that. I love that. Who have you interviewed on the podcast? Other than me, of course. Well, I was going to say I interviewed the great <laughs> Max. Uh, but I mean, a lot of people we've got from psychologists like like uh, Steven Pinker to like fitness people like Tim Ferriss to uh, Robert Greene, you know, nice. um, uh, Angela Duckworth, a psychologist. Um, you know, I try to I try to interview like people who are not just psychologists, but just people who are really up on the latest. Uh, that have some great insights about the mind, brain, and creativity. Super yeah. important. Yeah. You've got your class at Columbia. You're going to be teaching one at the 92nd Street Y. Yeah. Where are you on? Are you on Twitter, Instagram? I'm on Twitter, SB Kaufman on Twitter. Instagram, I think I'm at Scott Barry Kaufman. You don't use uh, it, though. I, sometimes I do. Huh. Yeah, lately I've been in New York. I've had a few posts. But, but my posts on Instagram tend to be more inappropriate. <laughs> you shirtless, like... <laughs> No, no, nothing like that. Um, that wouldn't be inappropriate, but <laughs> that probably would be for me in my case. Uh, <laughs> no one wants to see that. But um, no, I don't know. Like um, you know, it. Uh, I don't know. Like it's more imper- not inappropriate. That was the wrong word. Impersonal or personal. Like um, you know, on Instagram, I'll be like, "Hey, I was at this party," you know, or "Look yeah. who I'm hanging out with now." Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, got it. Cool, brother. Well, thank you so much for being here. This has been a, a real treat. And um, to all you guys out there listening in podcast land, as always, I appreciate your attention and your time. So thank you very much for that. This has been another episode of The Genius Life. Peace.